Good morning, Restoration family, and happy Easter. Hallelujah. The Lord is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. So I don't know about you, but usually for these home liturgy services, uh, my kids are around the coffee table coloring, and rumor has it that there might even be some bells that have um, come into people's homes. So if that's you, if you have a bell or, or something that you can jingle, uh, anytime I say the word Alleluia, I would encourage you to grab that bell, and with holy gusto, may you ring out your praises to the Lord. So today is Easter. This is the day in which we celebrate Jesus' victory over the grave. That even though the powers of darkness came at him with all of their might, even though all of our sin and our shame was piled upon Christ, even though he suffered death and descended down into hell itself, death does not have the final word. The grave could not hold the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is risen again. Praise be to God. Alleluia. So these past 40 days uh, have been a season of fasting for the church. And I'm sure as soon as I even said that, you were like, yeah, no kidding. Tell me something new, Pastor Rick. You know, who would have thought that 40 days, or yeah, 40 days ago, as we began our Lenten fast on Ash Wednesday, that we would now find ourselves in the situation that we're now in. And oh, Restoration, I wish I could be with you. I wish I could be with you in the same room, singing praises, raising the Alleluia together. Uh, but here we are. But even though we can't gather with one another, I am confident that the Lord Jesus Christ will be binding us together through our common prayer and our common worship, and therefore binding us even closer to him. You know, we will forever remember the Lent of 2020, won't we? We'll always be changed by this. This will always mark us. There's no going back to the way that things used to be. Uh, this will forever change um, some of our customs, our rituals, some of our relationships with one another. This will be a Lent to remember for sure. So what about Easter? What about today? Well, I'm in this uh, Facebook group with some other pastors, and we were asking that question. We're like, what in the world is Easter going to be looking like this year? Well, there were a lot of opinions that were shared. One of the opinions that was shared was, you know what, we should, we should make Lent longer. We should extend Lent. We shouldn't celebrate Easter until this coronavirus thing has passed. You know, Then we can celebrate Easter properly. And then there were others who said, you know what, this is rough. Let's just cancel Easter entirely. We won't celebrate Easter this year. How about that? You know, we'll count our losses and we'll give it another shot next year, right? Now, obviously, some of our plans need to be put on hold, most definitely. But the truth is, the resurrection never pauses. The resurrection doesn't get canceled. The resurrection doesn't get postponed or anything like that. Now, certainly our, our customs and the way in which we celebrate might look different, but there's no cancellation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As Tish Warren says is an art on, in an article uh, on Christianity Today, she says this, While we might be quarantined, the truth is that the resurrection is always free and always wild. And then Pastor Trevor, who preached at our Maundy Thursday service, he said this, for 2,000 years, the church has been proclaiming the resurrection in times of war and in times of famine and pestilence and even global pandemics. We have been through this before, people of God. The church is equipped to handle things like this. In fact, our, cir our circumstances, no matter how terrible they might seem, they do, not, uh, they do not alter the truth. They do not alter the fact that death does not have the final word. In fact, in these darker times, we proclaim it more loudly, that Alleluia, the Lord is risen. Amen. So I love today's story from Matthew's Gospel. And if you haven't read it yet, pause the sermon right now. Go back and read that Gospel text from, Matthew's, um, from Matthew. 
And I just love this story, right? Because as you're reading through it, it's just like these people are running around back and forth all over the place. There's all these instances of, of go, go here, go do that, you know, going back and forth. It's like people are just zigzagging all over the place. And then at the end of the, at the, end of the passage, Jesus shows up and he's like, greetings, hey there. You know, and it's just this, this, well, there's just so much fun that's going on in this passage. It's an electrifying moment. People are trying to figure out what in the world is going on. You know, for the women who came to the tomb that day, and then the disciples, and then eventually the early church, what they came to see on that Easter morning is that the resurrection transforms lives. And there's three ways that I would love for us to look at the resurrection's ability to transform lives. Three things that I'd like to look at today. So let's look at how this story begins, okay? So first of all, do you see how Mary Magdalene and some of the women, they come to the tomb? Let's look a little bit about, about um, what sort of posture were they in when they were coming to the tomb? What were they doing there so early in the morning? Well, they're coming to grieve their beloved teacher. You know, of course, these past seven days have been an absolute whirlwind for those early disciples. They've seen Jesus go from being the most popular person in town to then being captured, to then being put on trial, and then being crucified. Their entire world has just been turned upside down just over the matter of seven days. And now they're finally having a chance to maybe catch their breath, to maybe come and, and give Jesus some kind of proper goodbye. So here they come to the grave. They haven't even been fully processing what the crucifixion was, I'm sure, right? I'm sure that if you were to, to stop the women on the way to the grave, all this fear would be just below the surface, right? It'd be flowing through their blood. You know, they would just be so consumed by fear in that moment. Well, friends, I ask you today, what, what do you think is the answer to fear? What is the best solution to dealing with our fear? Well, I'm sure right away some of us might say, well, the, the easiest way, the best way to handle our fear is to, you know, take away all the scary things. To just forget about all the scary stuff. To pretend like that didn't even happen. Well, that's not always possible, is it? And it's certainly not possible here, you know, in this story. Nothing is going to change the fact that Jesus Christ was crucified. No, I think instead that the best answer to fear is actually love. In fact, the Bible says that perfect love drives out fear. And if we read through this story carefully, we see that that is exactly what God is doing to these women who come to grieve over the loss of Jesus Christ. God meets them with his love in the most miraculous and marvelous and beautiful ways. So let's take a look at how the women are ministered to here. Well, first they're comforted by the presence of an angel. This lightning-clothed messenger from God comes, and he speaks peace to them. Do not fear, the angel says to the women. Jesus is risen. He starts to prepare them for this, this crazy concept. Jesus is risen. So the messenger of God comes and he speaks to them safety and peace and solace. And then in a few moments, it gets even better. Jesus Christ himself shows up to these women. He shows them his love by his very presence and he is with them. He cares for them. He says to them, greetings, blessings to you. Here I am, he says. Don't be afraid. And the women cling to him. Do you see the love and the care of God in this moment. Notice he doesn't erase any suffering that they've had. It's not like Jesus pulls out of his pocket that like little men in black gizmo and, and flashes, you know, that, that light out at the women and tells them, you know, oh, forget about all of that. You know, let's just pretend none of that ever happened. No, Jesus doesn't do that. He's the king of glory. He's the Lord of heavens. 
And he comes back from the grave to be with his friends, to be with them, to see them again, and to show them that he loves them. So the first resurrection transformation is this, that Jesus removes our fear and he shows us his love. Alleluia. Alleluia. Well, then secondly, do you notice what time of day the women come to the tomb? The women come when it's dawn, when it's super, super early outside. You know, they don't want to be noticed by anyone. They want to be flying under the radar here. They want to make sure that no one's taking notice of them. And then later on in the Gospels, or, or later on in the passage, we also see that the men, they also are in a place of hiding right now. And we know if we were to look at, the, at similar stories in the other Gospels, that, that a lot of the disciples, they were hiding out of fear for the Jews, is what the text tells us. You know, they were fearing, they were wondering like, ooh, maybe what just happened to Jesus is going to happen to us too. And then another reason why they're hiding is because the disciples are, are, quite honestly, they're very ashamed of themselves. They did not fare well when it came to their friend, their teacher, being handed over to the authorities. The disciples, they had abandoned Jesus. They denied Jesus. They left him alone in his moment of death. And no doubt they're just being entangled with, with, with guilt and shame over that. Everyone is hiding right now. Everyone is clothing themselves with darkness, flying under the radar. So what does Jesus do in this moment? What does Jesus do in this moment? Well, when he appears, when he starts talking to the, the women, he connects them. He connects them all to one another. Do you hear what he says? And this, this might seem kind of small. This shouldn't be overlooked. But what does Jesus say? Well, I'll tell you what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, hey, hey, ladies, come here, come here, come here, come here. You know, let's go and ignore all those other disciples. Man, did you see what they did? They were jerks. They were punks. They were bozos. They totally let me down. No, of course not. Jesus did not say any of those things. No, instead what Jesus says is go and tell my brothers. Go and tell my brothers. Not even, not even my acquaintances or my friends. My brothers is what he says. And then he says, go and tell them that I want to see them too. I want to, get to, I want to see them too. I want to see them again. Tell them that I'm coming. You see, what Jesus is doing here in this moment, and like I said, it shouldn't be overlooked, is that Jesus is restoring the community of his people. He's bringing his people back together again. He's encouraging them to see one another. When they're tempted to hide, when they're tempted to, to mourn in secrecy, when they're tempted to veil themselves in darkness, to hide behind locked doors, when they're feeling broken and fragmented and scattered and isolated, all of these things, Jesus is saying, don't forget about one another. Come, be with one another. And let's celebrate the resurrection together. So the second resurrection transformation that Jesus is giving us today is that he takes our hiding and he transforms it into community. Alleluia. Alleluia. Now I'm going to ask us to rewind one more time. So by now you're, you've probably noticed, uh, imagine at least, just how um, confused the followers of Jesus were at this point. You know, they had placed their hope in Jesus they were hoping that Jesus was going to come and kick out the Romans from their land and allow their country to worship Yahweh in the temple with freedom uh, and, and, and liberty, right? They believed that Jesus was going to usher in this new kingdom way of living. This was the man who had healed the sick. This is the man who had cast out demons, who had walked on the seas, who had calmed the storms themselves. This is the man who had fed thousands of people miraculously through his bread. But then he was killed. The authorities actually captured him. They took him. They tried him. 
what in the world or how in the world would Jesus have allowed this to happen? And what sort of whiplash would the disciples have been feeling at this time? Imagine the unmet expectations that they were bottling up within them. Imagine the the dashing of dreams that they had, and imagine the utter confusion and turmoil that they're experiencing in this moment. Well, then what happens? Well, the women see the the resurrected Jesus, and they come and they fall down before him, and they worship him. They worship him. They fall down at his feet, and they worship him. Now, sometimes we hear that word worship and that's, you know, that's not really a word that we use every day or, or sometimes it has these connotations of like boring sort of stodgy experiences, you know, maybe some of us have been drugged to some like really boring experiences and, and those experiences we're told we're, we're supposed to be worshipful and we're like, I don't think I ever want that, you know, well, that's not what is happening here in this moment at all. That's not what the women were doing at the foot of Jesus in that moment. It was not a boring event whatsoever. So after college, after I graduated college, I I went on this crazy adventurous trip uh, with a couple good buddies. We we traveled around parts of Asia and China and and whatnot. Um, But but the whole time we were there, I was talking about this this friend back home, this this girl uh, who I kind of missed a lot. You know, I talked about her. Uh, and she and I, we weren't dating, but, you know, she was a good buddy of mine, and I missed her. And so I remember there being there at the Great Wall and looking around, just seeing how beautiful uh, and, uh, the landscape was and, and how ancient the structure was and and talking about Molly in that moment. You know, I remember telling my friends, like, oh, man, like, Molly's so cool. I, I wish Molly was here right now. I wish she was with us. And man, Molly, she's so cute and she's so smart and she's so funny. She's She'd be so fun to be with in this moment. And my friends were polite. They were nice uh, for a while. But then they were like, Rick, you need to, when we get back home to America, you need to ask out Molly because clearly you talk about her all the stinking time. You know, it was kind of their nice way of saying, Rick, can we stop talking about Molly all the time? You know, but for me, like it felt good to talk about her. And I wasn't confused. I wasn't misguided. I, I wasn't, uh, I, maybe I was a little distracted, but I certainly wasn't confused. I was clear-headed in those moments, incredibly clear-headed. You know, my heart was in a state of complete adoration for this person. And it was like my heart, every time I talked about her, it was as if my heart was being moved outside of myself. You know, it was as if, um, yeah, I was just consumed uh, by her. And the more that I talked about her, the more my soul was filled with joy. And the more excited that I got. You know, friends, whenever we encounter beauty, whenever we encounter goodness and truth, it just flows naturally, or it just comes naturally to us to be, to be um, speaking with er- words of awe and adoration. And the word for that is worship. We worship these things. When we see truth and goodness and beauty, we worship these things. Well, friends, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection is the Father's amen. The resurrection proclaims that what the Son did, what Jesus did, was in fact true and good and beautiful. That Jesus Christ defeated sin. That he defeated death. He defeated shame and darkness there at the cross. That guilt and shame plague us no more. In fact, Paul in Romans, we read it this morning, and he says this, For we, if we have been united with him in death like his, then we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. 
You see, friends, the resurrection proclaims not only the Father's affirmation and love and validation of everything that the Son has done, but the resurrection proclaims that we too shall share in his abundant life. You see, Jesus and his resurrection is the highest beauty. He is the highest goodness. He is the highest truth. And so when we meet the resurrected Jesus Christ, it means that our confusion is turned into worship. Hallelujah. So friends, what do we do about all of this? What, what does this mean for us? Well, friends, we are people of the resurrection. We have been baptized and washed by Christ himself, and we stand with him. We are clothed with his righteousness through the power of the cross, through the power of his resurrection. We are united with him. And so what that means, as the baptized body of Christ, what that means is that we do what Jesus does. We are the body of Christ. We do the things that he does. So right now, if you were to visit our website and you were to look at the top of our website, you would see three words um, there at the top. You would see care, you would see community, and you would see worship. And those are the things that we, as a resurrected people of God, fully engage in. You know, we care for others just as Jesus Christ cared for those women and those disciples on that first Easter morning. That's what we are supposed to be doing. The church exists to alleviate the suffering of those around us. And I believe that God has planted each one of you where you are right at this moment in the midst of a global pandemic. God has placed you where he has has done so so that you may be an ambassador of his peace and a proclaimer of his resurrection right here to those who he has placed around you. As resurrection people, that is how we love one another, is, is we proclaim the resurrection to those around us. We care for one another. We love for one another. We pour ourselves out to those around us and those in our community. But also what we do is we restore community. Where we see fragmentation and brokenness and isolation and hiding, we as a church of God fight to bring people closer together during these moments. That means that we pray with one another. That means that we share in light, we share our lives with one another. That means that we even have fun and we play with one another, right? You know, just because we're socially distanced doesn't mean that we're alone. And so, if you again, if you go to our church website, if you click on the community button, you'll see ways in which we are fighting to be with one another, to pray with one another, to have fun with one another, to learn with one another, to hear one another's stories, and to just, I, I know it's weird, but even through the screens, to, to be with one another, right? That is what we do as the redeemed body of Christ. And thirdly, we worship with one another. We get as close to Jesus as we possibly can. And even though this might sound weird, because right now we are an exiled people, we can't even be with one another face-to-face -face on Easter, but we fight to be as close to Jesus as we possibly can. And we long for the day in which we are united together, especially around the table of communion. We right now are, are, are growing in our longing and our yearning and our hunger for the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and he will reward us for that season of yearning right now. And we hope for the day in which we will feast together. Even though we're separated by screens, we also study the word with one another. We pray with one another. And we tell stories that lift up our hearts to the Lord. This is how we worship right now. So some of you have never been to our church before. Some of you, uh, maybe this is the first time you're, you're tuning in to even a, a church service or, or something even religious. Or maybe it's been years since you've done so and this is your first chance. And you hear the way in which I describe this community and you say, man, I feel like I've missed out. I wish I could still be a part of that. 
Well, the good news, friends, is that you can. Like, reach out to me. Shoot me an email, and I would love to introduce you to this beautiful community called Restoration. And then when this veil gets lifted, when this fog of the coronavirus passes, I cannot wait to introduce you face-to-face to these people who are praying for you. And we have groups that you can join, these virtual groups for now, but then when, when we can meet face-to-face, you can meet your friends, and I, I yearn, I, I long, I hope that you can join together with us. But even more so than being joined together as us, as friends, I hope you can be joined to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you hear what I'm talking about, this resurrection life, and that is something that you want, that you want to receive, then please call me and I would love to talk to you about that. I would love to pray with you. I would love for you to be introduced to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. May that be so, because he's calling to you. He wants to be with you as well. He conquered sin, death, and darkness so that he could come back and be with you. That is what you're being invited into today. You're being invited to, re- to be joined to Christ and his holy church. So please do. Please accept the invitation. Please come forward and join us on this journey because, friends, this is a scary world, right? This is a world full of fear and isolation and confusion. But what if this is the day in which you can be showered with the love of Christ? What if this is the day that you can be joined to his community? And what if this is the day? What if this is the day that your heart can be lifted up? Friends, we are people of the resurrection. So I pray, I pray that as you go forth, whatever that might look like, whatever you're going forth about your your house from room to room or, or going forth virtually as you call one another and encourage one another, in your going forth, may you experience the risen Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.